this is Lisa Pierce, Executive Editor of Packaging Digest, with another episode of Packaging Possibilities, a podcast that reveals what's new and what's next for packaging executives and engineers, designers, and developers. In this episode, I'll be talking with Brent Lindbergh, Head of Curiosity at Fusnio, which is not the typical packaging design agency. And our topic today is packaging design in the metaverse. Brent, hi, thanks for talking with us today. My pleasure. Before we get into the questions, uh, tell us just a little bit about Fusnio. Um, how is it atypical and why? <laughs> um, you know, Lisa, when I was younger, I got an award for being weird um, at one point, and uh, look where I don't it's know. Taken. <laughs> What's that? And look where it's taken you. Yeah, yeah, I still get awards for being weird. Um, but uh, no, I just I think this uh, really uh, incredible creativity with insane level of detail and commercialization. Um, is uh, is really what we've built our team on just finding quirky people um that uh as we say swim like we do um and uh put them all together with really cool backgrounds um and then put us in front of big brands uh and all that comes together to, to build some really cool stuff Okay, I love your title, Head of Curiosity. Um, <laughs> I am in probably the best career that I could have because I get to ask so many people any question that I have. And for the most part, they usually answer it. And that to me is just heaven. Uh, so how? Um, tell me a little bit about your background. Boy, um, I, I mean, the, the founding of Fusnio, I started it like 15 years ago. And um it was. It stemmed from a couple of, of of strange opportunities that I had. One of them was getting hired at 17 to lead design for a company uh, that that paid for my college, and um, it happened to be in the packaging space. So I was doing blow molding design for bottles. You know, companies like Procter and Gamble and Clorox and Kraft and all these companies um, at 17 years old. Um, How fun! Yeah, it was an incredible opportunity, but it gave me this like just really passion for for how the industry moves, how fast it moves, how dynamic it is, how complicated it is when you have things that run at those speeds and and have all those different touch points and, and all the, the ways that they move. And so I just fell in love with packaging and, and the industry as a whole. And then, um, you know, 15 years ago, I had an opportunity to start, start a firm. Um, and... Um, yeah, that was uh, that's kind of been been my background. Uh, okay, great. Um, so now let's enter the metaverse, and it, it's gonna take me a <laughs> Do little bit. You have music bit. To, to get us into there, and you're like strange. <laughs> oh, you yeah. know what? I'll uh, maybe I I could do some dubbing. Yes. Brent, it's going to take me just a little while to tee up this first question, so bear with me. Do it. We're seeing the intersection of two developing trends that could have a significant impact on packaging design. One of them is the growth of e-commerce shopping and how it's been changing packaging design in a couple of ways. Um, 
One is that you're creating packages now for the uh, that need to survive the small parcel delivery method rather than pallet loads, which is the vast majority still of the distribution for products in the United States today. Um, and the second way that this e-commerce um, trend has been changing packages, packaging design is that um, companies are now designing their packaging graphics to appeal to shoppers who are seeing this package on a screen rather than on a shelf. So that's um, one of the two developing trends that I, I see as an intersection. The second one, um, while it's still gonna be off into the future, the idea that people are gonna be living more in the metaverse, um, that's really taking hold. So whether it's using virtual reality, augmented reality, mixed reality, however you wanna call it, whichever term you wanna use, and I know they're slightly different, all, of, all three of those are slightly different. And, and whether you're using that for work or for recreation, the uh, digital reality is no longer science fiction. One of the hottest um, holiday gifts this last Christmas was virtual a virtual reality set um, for gaming, pretty much for gaming. So it's not too far of a jump to imagine that instead of scrolling on a website, people might soon be shopping in a virtual store to pick out their purchases. So um, knowing all of this now, these two trends um, converging, Brent, how do you think that's going to change the design of packages, both um, structurally as well as graphically moving forward? There's a lot of facets to that answer, Lisa. Yes. <laughs> Um, actually, we just did a video of uh, unboxing Oculus, um, and uh, man, it it's going to have impacts for sure in in some areas. But I think you have to delineate um, what element of that is digital and what is physical, and is is it is it something that's uh, we're going to call it digi fizz, where it's moving from digital into physical? Is it something where you're just shopping digitally, and you know, and and procuring a physical item, or is it something that is completely digital, and you're oh, you're shopping it in a digital space, and you're keeping it in a digital space, right? Okay, um, are you re referring to NFTs, maybe? <laughs> we can certainly talk about NFTs. Okay. Uh. But, um, you know, I think when you have this digital storefront, whether that is a, 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 an augmented reality, uh, which is, you know, um, where things are, just for people who maybe aren't as familiar with the different terms, the augmented reality where you are still, you see the environment around you, but maybe it's modified. Think of the Pokemon game. That was a great augmented reality example where you had little characters appearing in places that you, you see the the you know, the dumpster, and then you see the Pokemon character jump up from behind the dumpster. Yep. Um, and then you have virtual reality, which is completely, you know, in your own world, which is Oculus, right? You're blocked out vision from everything else. Um, and and so whether you're in virtual reality or augmented reality, the, the experience is, is very different. And 
it, at some level, the packaging doesn't ultimately have to match the physical item that's going getting shipped to you. You can have digital on-shelf packaging and then your physical presence packaging um, that shows up, and they, they may actually differ in some cases. Why would they differ? Well, because uh, your on-shelf packaging may not need to have regulatory. Whereas maybe the one that shows up with the item does. Um, the on-shelf packaging maybe doesn't have to be as protective. Um, maybe you can have windows and you see the product or it does other things, whereas the one that comes to your doorstep is going to need to have more of that. So you may actually be able to, to have different packaging. And then you might have environments that you actually may get to a situation here in the future where retailers require a digital version of your packaging to appear in their digital stores and it's got to be accurate to exactly what the consumer receives so mm -hmm. you have you know what i think you're going to see are different requirements you may have a, a completely um embedded retailer that that can control and and you know in some cases, maybe go packaging lists on certain items um, on the shelf, and then they'll have to have a package packaging to get shipped. So there's just a lot of of, of facets that this uh, that this whole digital or physical world uh, can take. Okay, before we leave this topic, though, I do want to talk about it because I know that for a lot of e-commerce um, shopping the brands or the retailers, e-tailers, have decided that they want to show the product and that showing the product in a package isn't necessary. Uh, you know, the consumer knows that they're going to get this product in a package unless they do the frustration-free, If they're unless they're buying from Amazon and doing frustration-free packaging, um, they're going to get the product in a package. But um, do they have to? I know that you and Fusnio have done quite a bit of work with e-commerce packaging designs. And um, one of the ones that I think is just genius is your reversible um, boxes where it ships in its own container. And then if you bought it as a gift um, and, it, you know, it ships in its own container, but it's still very um, generic as a, a brown box or, you know, whatever box. And then if you want to gift it to somebody, if you bought it to gift it to somebody else, you open the box, you unfold it, you fold it up inside out, and it's a beautiful gift package, which I think is just genius. But let's um, just explore this a little bit more. When do you think or why do you think or do you think when would somebody want to show the package in uh, the metaverse versus when they just want to show the product? Yeah. There are a lot of products out there that are not highly differentiated from brand to brand. Um, and, you know, you've got $500 white T-shirts, right, that are completely indistinguishable from a Hanes T-shirt that comes in a three-pack for $8. Yeah. Um, and, and so the packaging the brand there's a there's an element that goes behind that that has to sell that as premium as as more distinct and why would i buy this $500 shirt versus buying a three pack for $8 and yes maybe the material is better maybe it's softer maybe it does some of that else but the shirt just a picture of the shirt or a digital representation of the shirt doesn't doesn't give you that you have to do some communicating in there and so how you do that communicating whether it's a package as we think of a package or it's uh it's a um 
a package in the way that the, the shirt is, the item is presented. Maybe, maybe you walk up to the shirt and a halo appears around it and items come up and it's the way that the information is presented, the way that you're doing that's, that's packaging, right? Packaging is, is about one of the main elements of packaging is, is communication and we call it presentation. Um, and so there's, there's even different ways that that can appear, but, um, when you, especially when you have items that consumers don't really know the difference from A to B, you've got to do more as a brand to communicate your product versus the product on shelf next to yours. Okay, um, that is a great answer. I hadn't thought of it until you started speaking, and then all of a sudden, it's like, of course, that that makes total sense, total total sense. And I would imagine that there are other times where um, perhaps if this is going to be a gift that you're buying for somebody else, as I, I mentioned in another example, that you do need it to be in some kind of package, and. Knowing what that package is going to look like is going to help you decide whether to buy that product over something else. Um, yeah, I mean, if it's just if it's if it's going to show up in a, you know, a, a just a bubble wrap bag um, with some tape around it, or is it going to show up in a nice presentation box? You know, that that giftability element is certainly an important piece. You want to see what it is that you're buying because that's what you're going to be giving, right? Uh, wedding gifts and all those things. You want to know exactly what you're going to hand to somebody. Um, but uh, but there's an element of, of even like just assurance of protection or assurance of uh, sterility. Think about baby products and pacifiers. Is this thing sealed in a package or are they just, you know, zip tied to the outside of a card? And um, that's a bad example, but the that idea that you know, you want some assurance of this thing is sterile, it's clean, it's got these things, that comes from seeing the packaging on shelf. And so there's a lot of these different little examples like gifting that we could that we could allude to where you will want to see more of a physical representation of the the actual package on shelf. Okay, excellent. Um, perfect. And that's a great segue into my next question. So um, packaging designers, uh, for uh, brick and mortar retail shelves have long worked with planograms. And um, these are where you can design your shelf set uh, for a physical store. And I don't think um, that, I, I don't know if anybody is using such a, a thing for e-commerce, um, for designing uh, packages for online shopping, e-commerce, but I don't think they need to. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. You're not seeing it in the in the same uh, environment that way. Um, so, right? I mean, there's no reason to use a planogram for e-commerce, correct? I would say yes and no. Um, I, I think, you know, when you have stores that are very traditional, I think where you'll see this pretty quickly is, is, is grocers and, and mass market stores um, where they their representation of a digital store is going to be very similar to the representation of a physical store. It'll follow some of the same ideas that, you know, it'll be like walking down the shelves of, of Walmart or Target or something like that. And the location and placement of things and how much time you spend in the store and which direction you turn. And like, it's, it's actually going to be, um, well, we'll get to the data piece of this in a second, but I, I think you'll see, they'll have very digital, you'll have a lot of stores that have very digital versions that, are, that mimic their retail stores very closely. The, the data elements of that are, are just astounding to think about. You know, right now we do um, 
uh, eye tracking and shopper tracking, walking through a store and looking stuff. In this case, you'll actually know from the data of the software where the person turns. Every shopper that walks in your store, you'll know where they spent time. You'll know what path they walked. You'll know not just a selection of shoppers. It's the data elements are crazy. So I think you'll still see a number of of traditional retail, and then you'll have stores um, that are going to be much more experiential. And you know, um, you think about the data that's already there in your browser and your cache that that uh, this thing can pull from and it can it can aggregate only the items that can fit you on only the things that are in stock and only like it can start to build custom experiences and, and serve things up to you as you walk in the store and and displays can change based on your own preferences and you know just like just the ads do in your browser today so I, I think you'll have companies that get very just they, they can kind of stay in line with where they are today and you're going to have companies that really leverage data and they go hard down this super experiential and you know they can make it a game shopping their store where you want to stay there for hours and play this game while you are you know subliminally served shopping. subliminally mm-hmm. served up items that you want to buy like the the endless the options are endless it's 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 pretty mind-boggling when you think about where all this is, will go it, it, and it's actually quite exciting to hear you talk about it. And it's getting me excited to think about the future because um, I can see you've, your your weirdness is already going at full tilt with this. Bryce, so, I know. Tr- true story. I, um, I wound up in the field of industrial design uh, because in like seventh grade, I saw some video and I'm not going to date myself, but this was a while ago. When virtual reality was actually really, really primitive, like you had these big gloves and you kind of reached up and you could open some, you know, it looks like it was made in Minecraft, some cabinet in your kitchen. You could like design this kitchen in virtual. So I saw this video about virtual reality and the future of it. And I was like, that's what I want to do. And so I had out a path towards design because of virtual reality. And I wound up like being able to merge digital and physical, which is what, you know, we do. <laughs> but um that's that's actually how I wound up in this field was because of virtual reality. Wow, um, I, this, that's amazing. Um, so this is I'm I'm hitting your uh, um, your sweet spot I think in talking about this. So um, you know, planograms might still be used, but I would imagine that it'll be a slightly different tool um, for designing packaging or maybe even um, testing uh, yeah. packaging design for this optimum uh, digital display in virtual or augmented reality. I mean, think about a brand, sorry to interrupt, but think about a brand being able to launch a change in their digital stores before they actually implement the change in their physical stores. And being able to test at X store or with X number of consumers or for three hours a day, we're going to try this. And to be able to see what the hit rates are, to be able to see what those dwell rates are, what with somebody looking at it, you could get all that data right now. It's very specialized. And and I think stores will, will make this data available probably for sale more than anything else. They'll start to monetize this element. But like that's something that is so valuable right now to know the impact of a change of packaging. And so, uh, you know, it, as these stores come up, they're going to leverage that. And that becomes a, a very, um, very valuable item is understanding the impact of those changes. Because a, a brand could totally create that launch, run it for three hours a day only, see what happens in those three hours a day. And, and if it goes well, launch a physical change. 
Sure, um, to makes total sense. And I can see how that data is going to be just absolute gold, both to the retailer, but definitely, definitely to the brand owner and their competition. Um, so talk about the whole idea of this data. Um, and before we get there, uh, many years ago, the folks at Clemson University uh, had done their store, um, CU store, I believe, um, capital C, capital U store, mm -hmm. I believe is what it was called. And it was a virtual reality experience. And I know that, that what they were doing is um, not really using it as a virtual shopping experience, even though it was, but they were doing that to get the data on packaging design. And you mentioned earlier about the eye tracking um, studies, the, but this was, as you had said, you know, an Oculus where you're in a virtual reality um, uh, uh, environment. environment. But I remember too being struck when, cause I had an opportunity to go and do that. And that was like so totally cool at the time. Um, but I remember thinking that in addition to all that data, they were so smart because they had a check form where they kind of tried to get qualified, uh, qualitative data on top of all the quantitative data. And the qualitative is, you know, a, a questionnaire, tell us why. It's and that um, all important why question, getting the answer to that. So how how would that all work? Well, I mean, so that this whole eye tracking thing, whether that's in the digital world or even sending consumers into stores with eye tracking glasses on, right? Um, you're creating heat maps and you're trying to find out how long people looked and where did their eyes go first and how much time did they spend reading something or what were they, were they drawn to something because it was sticks out? Like there's, you're, you're gathering data like one consumer at a time and and these glasses are good and the software is good um but now you're talking about like a consumer has to walk up to something and they have to turn the camera to focus on something they have to zoom in they have to actually click on something to like pick it up and read it like you know exactly what they're looking at you know exactly where they're turning and you know this data for every consumer that's walking in the store you don't know it for one consumer that you've you know that you've drawn out of a, a lineup because they are a 37 year old female with this demographic like you now know that data for everybody that walks in your store and you know a lot more about them because of their online um, traceability but the uh that what like what clemson's doing in, in it and they've you know been doing for a while and, and other companies and there's software packages that you can buy to do to do these things uh it is it's a valuable tool and it helps you evaluate change it helps you understand what it is people are drawn to you know you know um where people spend their time and what they do and how they walk around the store and stuff like that but um it's it's limited to how much you can gather. And I think that's its biggest drawback is is the environment that you're in. Um, I was at a cool experience several years ago um, where a a large company had a complete test store. And it was like a grocery store, full out grocery store, stocked shelves and everything. 
Okay. And I'm they assuming sent, with their competitors as well or other products. Oh yeah. Like Look, full out full mm-hmm. shopping store. Like okay. you, it was, it just looked like a strip mall and you walked into the doors and there were cash registers and a full grocery store behind you. And, uh, and there they invited people to come in and say, Hey, buy your weekly groceries. You know, just go buy the stuff that you'd normally buy, do your shopping trip. And, um, so while we were watching for certain pieces of data in a very specific part of the store on a very specific thing, they didn't interrupt their behavior and they just didn't tell them why they were there. And, and that level of, you know, we call it like blind research, um, uh, as, as we do on, on our side at Fusnio, um, like we're not asking people to overanalyze something. We're just sending people about their daily behaviors. And this was as close to the real thing as you could get. When you put somebody in a on a store shelf and you just you say, hey, digitally, just go look for something, pick this thing up. What do you which one do you would you buy? You're you're putting people in an unnatural situation and you're getting data that is unnatural. Um, they're in an environment they're not used to. They feel like they have to, you know, maybe get the right answer. And um, this this whole idea of just sending people into a digital store, say, hey, buy your weekly groceries. Like, they're going to behave. They're going to spend as much time in the store as they normally would, maybe more, maybe less. But it's, you know, if they spend an hour shopping, they might still spend an hour walking around the digital store. And, and, and so you're creating as close to a natural experience as you can. Um, and that data, to me, is way, way more valuable than this, you know, uh, this quantitative or even qualitative uh, one-off data where you've picked a certain consumer and asked them to shop a shelf. Um, so the, I think the quality of data is uh, is where this can change pretty drastically. Okay. And then there's the whole uh, analysis of the data that is uh, pretty exciting too when you think about that. And that um, there's not a whole lot of infrastructure in the packaging industry right now for that type of skill. So um, if any anybody starts one of those companies, I hope it's a public company and I can buy some stock in it because <laughs> I, I want to get in on the ground floor. Okay, um, so Brent, what are some of the, we've talked about a lot of the benefits of um, packaging, shopping for packaging in, or shopping for products in packaging at in a, a virtual environment. Um, what are some of the challenges for the packaging designers in designing for the future metaverse? And, and once we identify the challenges, then I'm also going to ask you for just a couple of solutions, if you don't mind, you know, just throw them <laughs> out there. <laughs> Give me some answers here. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, I think we should spend probably a couple minutes talking about these more really out there things like NFTs and the and and stuff like that. But the when you're talking about you know designing packaging for a digital world, you still have all of the constraints of a physical world, right? You, the product still has to ship there. If we're talking about uh, designing for a digital world in where the packaging on shelf is has to be representative of what is coming out. So let's say you're walking through a Walmart. Likely the packaging needs to be pretty representative of what's going to ship out of a Walmart or be a Walmart shelf. They would they would keep them pretty analogous. And um, that is a great point, Brent, because I think one of the biggest mistakes that newbies make 
when they come into the the packaging industry is they don't when they're designing um, packages they have all these grand ideas but if the package cannot run on a high-speed packaging line <laughs> it does not matter how beautiful or useful or uh, functional that package is it's just not going to make it so um, good very good point uh, I've uh, I've seen a lot of of rough design over the years, um, but the I think you you have to it still has to work. And so if it doesn't work, it doesn't work in digital, right? Like if it doesn't actually work still in the physical world. But the the challenges are are really about display and presentation and scale and 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 the tendency to want to put everything on pack or do everything and and what needs to be there and what's important or how do we still stick out color usage all that stuff um i'm going to back up one level from you know getting down this metaverse hole and in in today like shopping on amazon right versus versus shopping in the store you're seeing pictures of the product you're seeing pictures of the packaging and maybe even seeing some lifestyle shots in there as well in these little thumbnails that you have um but those products have to fit in a square thumbnail what about something long like a uh a roll of reynolds wrap Mm -hmm. um that's really long and short and so by the time you put it in a thumbnail you know what text was a decent size if my thumbnail is is rectangular was fine but now you know i'm I'm completely constricted because my width is only so much um and i have all this white space above and below it uh like certain dimensions of product actually don't even create challenges in this whole digital shopping environment so that's very much today that's not even the future we already struggle with you know creating these in in every brand is going to do it every company is going to do it especially as they go more digital they create all right your that's what they got to be um, um, Brent, I'm, I'm sorry you uh you glitched for just a minute there say that last sentence again so every every company is going to create these requirements um about thumbnail size and things like that and so that's still that's going to carry into this metaverse right like if you have a digital storefront um, it likely is going to have a certain amount of space that's allocated to it. You're likely going to have a certain shelf height. You're likely still going to have some of these same constraints that you have today. Now, you could probably stack two things on top of each other that wouldn't normally stand on top of each other, but um, it, you still have a lot of those same types of requirements when you're talking more literal translations of digital store shelves. Okay. And again, the idea is that the consumer is going to recognize what they thought they bought online when it physically arrives as well. So good. Okay. So that's uh, one of the challenges, the, the physical limitations that are still going to be there, even though we're in a digital universe. Um, anything else? No. And I, I think those those restrictions lift once you once you get into this more experiential you know if you you're talking about a and and owned and operated retailer like a like a nike store right where you don't necessarily need garments of each size on the rack where you don't need to have all of these shoe boxes out on display because i've got to have this in eight sizes in like your your the the 
the position of packaging, which is already different in those owned and operated stores, right? Um, that position of packaging changes uh, already there, but even more so when you step into the digital world, when you're just creating more experiential um, retail shopping experiences. Now, once you've shopped the items, you probably may want to still see what how it's getting packed and how it's coming, but it, you may not actually shop it like that initially. Okay. Um, very interesting. Again, uh, that was something that I hadn't thought of myself, but I could definitely see how, how that would um, really um, enhance the whole experience, both for the brand as well as for the consumer. And um, earlier when you were talking about being able to customize the experience for the consumer, that also is very exciting. Okay. And uh- it just that that last little note before we move on, you know, if you think about some of these these roles of packaging, that this how helping to communicate the value of an item, right? If something is premium, um, that doesn't go away. Am I buying a a very expensive, finely crafted glass cup, or am I buying a mass market, very inexpensive glass cup? They may look very similar. But this this element of premiumness, um, even surprise, right? Like that, this element of surprise needs to still come apart. And it, you you bought something, and and this this uh, the ability to kind of digitally unbox it and see that can truly add to the experience. So rather than just looking at the package on shelf, if you can actually even open it in store, which you can't do today. You can't just go through the store and open everything. Like in in the store, you could actually open this thing and feel how beautiful it is and see how premium and the surprise elements and say like, this is exactly what I want to give to this, you know, this wedding that I'm going to. Um, And it's stuff that you can't do today. Yeah, um, that's uh, that's very interesting. And I can see it working even up upstream just a little bit too, where the packaging designers themselves are using virtual reality to test the functionality of maybe a new package, a new um, component to a package, whether it be a dispenser or, you know, whatever. Um, so way cool. Okay, I think what I want to do is just end on um, a... Uh, a digital (laughs) level. So earlier, we both threw out the uh, NFT term, and that is... Three-letter swear word. Yeah, um, non-frangible tokens. Fungible. Fungible. You know what? I do that every single time. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) No worries. Um, Because, yeah, um, they are fungible, non-fungible. Okay, so... um, Let's say that this is a digital product. Does We're down the rabbit hole now. Down the rabbit hole. Let's just dive right in with the, you know, head first. Before we go there, let's take a short break for a special message. Lisa Pierce here, executive editor of Packaging Digest. Have you heard? South Pack is back. After a break of seven years, the 2022 event will take place this year, June 14th through the 16th, at the Charlotte Convention Center in Charlotte, North Carolina. Owned and organized by Informa Markets Engineering, the parent company of Packaging Digest, SouthPack will be one of six co-located shows at the all-new I am Engineering South 
Advanced Design and Manufacturing Expo. Sign up today at imengineeringsouth.com. That's imengineeringsouth.com. Now let's get back to our Packaging Possibilities podcast. Brett and I are down the rabbit hole talking about non-fungible tokens, NFTs. So do you even need packaging if you've got a digital product? And I know for the NFTs, a lot of it is, uh, you know, digital artwork. Um, there is one company who has come up with a, a, um, a limited edition physical package as an NFT, and I'm still trying to wrap my head around all of that. We haven't written about it yet, so we're still doing the research. But um, tell us a little bit more about your vision for these digital products and whether they need digital packaging. Yeah, Lisa, you may not want to listen to me. Um, I, I, There are plenty of times in my life I've been very wrong. And if you would have asked me you know, several years ago if people would pay hundreds of thousands of dollars for a picture a small thumbnail of a monkey smoking a cigar. I would tell you, heck no, a digital, you know, just JPEG. Um, and so I'm, I'm wrong, very wrong here. Uh, somebody just paid $24 million for a hundred pictures of monkeys. Uh, so just with that, with that in mind, um, I'll, I'll tell you what I think and then okay. just know that I'm probably wrong. Um, but uh, the I think there is still an element of of um, of value and surprise, and and it doesn't you know it doesn't have to be a a, a a box or something physical in that way that you unwrap. But the the presentation of the items that you store digitally and 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 buy digitally um i think it has some value and it's non-traditional packaging design and it's digital design which means you can do anything right i can photoshop me in outer space um and and so you can literally do anything with it it doesn't have to be commercial it doesn't it can it could be this lotus flower that just goes crazy and opens up and, and does elaborate things which is which is really cool on one hand but um I think there's an element of I, I buy this thing that at the end of the day may just be a uh, a 3D model of Batman that all I can do is spin around and look at. And my brother-in-law bought one a couple weeks ago and was trying to tell me how awesome it was. I wasn't convinced. Um, <laughs> the, uh, I was like, what do you do with it? Oh, you should look at it. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, so do you own it? Is it like on your computer? No, no, no. It's it's. I have to have this other software program. That, I was like, okay, okay, cool. So you you bought something that you don't even own. Awesome. Um, I digress. But uh, the there's an element of of storing it, right? Like you bought a, a signed baseball, and it's going to come in this little glass case, and it's going to to sit up there. And maybe if you bought that physical baseball, it would come in something that was premium. It opened up and it laid out, and it had a less certificate of authenticity and things like that. There's, there's this presentation element that I think just us as consumers are drawn to. You bought something really nice. <laughs> Somebody just hands you that item. It's like, here you go. Here's your purse. Like, Oh, okay. Like it's, there's this element of, of surprise. I mean, we all love opening gifts, right? I got, yes. I got something today that I didn't know I was, I was supposed to get. Somebody sent me a gift 
and it was beautiful. Like, I, we're, I'm going to shoot a video on it later tonight. It's uh, spoiler alert. It was incredibly disappointing. Um, oh. But the, it was beautiful presentation, and I was like, I was getting really excited as we were getting into this thing, and um, I that same thing. You've just spent. Two hundred thousand dollars to buy a picture of a monkey. If somebody is like sends you an email, here's your picture of the monkey, dude. Um, it's a it's a little anticlimactic. It'd be exactly. you know to to receive it in something where you physically like digitally open this thing, and it has presented there nicely with this like. I think there's value in that. I think some of those same attributes that apply to physical packaging today will still apply to to digital items, even if they are NFTs, and even if I'm very wrong. I agree 100%. And Brent, I have to say, this has been an absolutely delightful conversation. <laughs> and I think that um, you are right more than you know um, in all of these ideas that you've shared with us today. Don't so tell my wife. Thank you. <laughs> uh, thank you. For, well, if she married you, she must know already. Um, so thank you very much for your time, Brent. And I really appreciate you let me uh, pick your brain on this on this topic. Absolutely. Packaging Fun. design in the metaverse. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming.